It's freezing. All right. Well, to kind of start off, lay a basis for our discussion today, I wanted to put the question to all of you. Do you feel like you're an early adopter of new technology? Well, I'll give you a second, even though you clearly already know your answers. I will say that I feel like I am. I feel like I like new things. I don't tend to question it. I'm going to steal Todd's thunder just a little bit of the pre-discussion we were having of ChatGPT. As soon as it came out, I was like, yeah, no, that sounds great. I'm going to use it. I'm going to figure out how to use it. And then I have side conversations with Matthew where he goes, did you consider these things? And I'm like, no, but I probably should. Thank you for that. But how do you, how do each of you feel? Kyle? I love, love, love new technology. So <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of like it. I love new stuff. So um, I'm, uh, I'm always run into the new thing just to experiment and, and see what it can do. I, being in technology, I think that's always one of the things the most attractive with it is that it's always changing and there's always uh, something new and better way that's coming down the pipe to accomplish a goal or do things and have an understanding and application of it. I think it's quite exciting. I, I really, uh, really love that aspect of what technology does. Todd? Todd? Uh, I am 100% in the same boat as Kyle is. Um, couldn't get enough of it. I mean, it, it probably isn't a surprise. We work in the industry we do, which is helping a lot of organizations achieve their goals. I'm drawn to it because we get to see everything. And I mean everything. We work across industry with everybody, small, big, everything. And I absolutely love it. And then to add a little spice on top of it, I work in security too. I'm part of the security team. And so that just kind of doubles down and makes sure I get to know even more things. And um, my modus operandi is I'd rather click on something and figure it out than to go read a manual. So let's go. Matthew? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm with you. Uh, also an early adopter. I'm part of the security team as well. Firstly, that's the paranoia that Todd has called me out on multiple times leads me to not be out of stop because I want to see what's available. I want to see what's coming up and what I may need to prep for. And being part of the GRC team, there's a good chance it's going to impact the way some customers decide to or need to meet those requirements. Um, I, I I also just, like uh, Carl said, that that excitement of something new coming out and getting to go, oh, that's that's so cool. <laughs> and getting to to mess around with it first is just fun uh so there's a, a lot of time i spend researching and, and looking into new things and then on top of that part of the the joy of this field is internal and out of work text messages where i'm like hey look at this <laughs> um whether it's something as as simple as when uh the yubikeys came out and all of a sudden I had a physical physical security key that I could use to log into my computers. Uh, I remember being way more excited about that than I had any right to be. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, happily, happily at least try everything when it first comes out. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I, exactly. I love that. And Matthew, you did that kind of nice segue into like, what are we talking about today, right? Preparing for the future and maybe a little bit of fear of technology. So I wanted to make sure that we laid the baseline of we don't have a lot of initial fear in this group. So 
Just to keep that in mind while listening to today's Tech for Business podcast episode, we are sitting down with our president and CEO, Kyle, our COO and CISO, Todd, and our GRC analyst, Matthew, and I'm Kelsey. I'm our moderator, a member of our marketing team. Kind of wanted to open the floor to each of you to talk about either a specific example of fear of technology or just wherever you wanted to go with this discussion today. So uh, I'm, I'm happy to step in here and give a, a perfect example and a horrifying example at the same time. Um, so this uh, this is a term I used to call it the fear uh, back when I worked in service center. I started as a service center technician, and uh, the the goal behind it was I, I wanted to know that the people I was working with and that the teams that I was working with had kind of the same idea that you can have pushed a button a million times, but the million and one time it's going to break everything. Um, we work in in customer environments. We work in your environments. So we need to be fully aware of what we're doing and everything we're changing, especially when we're trying to, to fix or help something that the chances of it maybe not going the way you'd expect it if you're not certain of it is, is pretty high. Um, and there have been times when that happened because systems weren't built the way you'd expected it to be. So the goal for for that and and then with the uh, incident response team I built was I wanted everyone to have that fear. Um, I wanted every person to lay awake at night going, did I press that button? <laughs> so that that's where it started for me. And, and I know that seems at odds with what I mentioned earlier about starting new technology, but I think it's it comes from that usage of it. The more you dig into it, the more you use something, the more you see the ways it can break and come back, you can start to fix things better. And for me, at least, it, it all started in Service Center uh, in the managed services team. Um, before I start talking, I just kind of wanted to say it's interesting that we did the whole we love technology, so we're clearly experts <laughs> on the fear factor. Um, here we go. Now, for for me, uh, I'll, my my main fear is um, or was, and and I've I've overcome this over the years of just being in technology for a really long time. But um, when I used to go to getting into this managed service kind of thing, which means you work with a lot of different companies, and the first time you would go to a customer and they'd say whatever. My phone doesn't work. You're going, I have zero idea what I'm getting myself into. I don't know anything about your site. And so um, probably not terribly surprising. I have a fairly large ego about my capabilities. And so (laughs) kind of humbling going, I don't know what I'm getting into. I may not know the answer this time was something that was really hard for me to overcome. But after a while, you you do it enough times, it just becomes second nature. And you're like, it doesn't really matter. We'll just figure it out. Um, by far, that was the biggest fear for me personally, and I realize this probably doesn't resonate with everybody that's going to be watching this, and I think we'll dig into that a little bit further too, but I'll let Kyle go as well. Yeah, I, I think as you, the, the reference to relatives and other sides of it as you work through different technologies, just the fear of the unknown is typically what comes out. They're just afraid to try things, and new technologies typically you know, introduce something new and unknown to them. Um, and when you work in technology a number of years, you, you kind of become um, softened to that approach and, and, and inherently want to take the risk to say, you know what, I'm, I understand the risk. What, what's the worst that could happen, right? It's like, <laughs> and, and I'm going to go ahead and experiment and find out what it is. It becomes the excitement of trying to find out what can happen when you do it, not the fear of what would happen. Um, and that, that comes kind of the delta difference side of it. And 
because of that, you kind of then become the trusted advisor because you experienced it first. Um, and with the experience comes the knowledge and then you kind of understand how to support. And I think Matthew talked about figuring out how to break it and those kind of things and <laughs> how to fix it. That That's kind of, you know, you, you there's that drive to want to break it and the, the challenge of fixing it builds the knowledge and that inherently is is there's, there's satisfaction for um for, for people like me and it's not like people like us you know to, to fix those things so um that uh that's typically where it seems to stem is just really ultimately that that fear of the unknown or fear they're going to actually break something by touching that button you know um and the reality is is most cases that is absolutely not the case <laughs> yeah. yeah right or it's it's not insurmountable right i i think right. um the relative one is is fantastic for me it's my easiest connection into why people fear it and the vast majority of the people that i work with in my personal life that have those fears uh tend to be slightly older than myself so you know older relatives i won't name names um and they're the ones that like whoa, whoa whoa this is a new phone i don't need a new phone i had a relative that was on a flip phone up until just a couple of years ago and they're like i just don't need anything else and i was like yeah but that thing's garbage let's move on to the new world and, and then showing them something as simple as like google maps was kind of overwhelming i was like I, there's there doesn't need to be anything overwhelming to it at all watch you can talk to the thing you don't even yeah. need to to type or anything but it was still brand new it was intimidating i don't get it i don't know if i need to get it i've lived this long without it we'll just stick with the cell with the flip phone and, and you just go ah we can do this it's all right we're yeah. in it together um so that you've this slight tangent i know but a kind of an interesting one so i used to work for apple so i i've taught people how to use phones and computers i'm it's always a uh, getting past that that unnervingness of doing something being able to do as much as it can do kind of an overwhelming side of things right um from for me i realize just from this conversation that I had a, a real fear of breaking things in general. Um, and one of the first things I had to do as a tier one tech was go on site to a medical practice and replace a UPS, which required shutting down their entire network, which was breaking something on purpose effectively. <laughs> and I distinctly remember sitting there they'd shut they told all the doctors no one was working there was going to be a 20 minute downtime which was more than enough time for it but i distinctly remember sitting there with my hand hovering over the power button of the old ups and just going can i do this can i intentionally shut down the whole system at this at this medical practice um and kind of pushing through that and then obviously being able to bring it back up right it's that the fear of the unknown intentionally breaking something and then putting it back together that was I'm realizing now that was a moment for me to get past that fear. Um, is there something that you guys can recall that's a, a similar experience? I can share when I, I'll really date myself and I apologize. This goes back. So um, back in uh, around 1984, so I'll set the time frame side of it. My dad's work shipped him an IBM PC. So I moved from a Commodore VIC-20 to an IBM PC. And with that, it had DOS on. So here I had this IBM PC and the other sides of it, and it had the manuals for DOS and a few things with it. So I proceeded to just want to play with this 
new computer that my dad's work gave him. And I went through that side of it and started going through the DOS manual and found a, a command called format, format C. And I'm like, oh, it's not again. So I, I re, basically, I wound up reformatting formatting his whole hard drive. It had a 10 meg hard drive. So um, that'll, that'll date it just by capacity. But essentially, it wiped out. So it had the word processing and all that stuff was just gone. It was back to just a blank drive. So I had to call my dad's IT guy at the time, whoever was handling their computers at the time, and just say, I need to have, I, I blew it up. Um, so <laughs> that poor guy got to work with some young punk teenager side who just blew up his dad's <laughs> computer, and I destroyed all this guy's work that he had set up and shipped out. Um, but I went through and I reloaded it and did all that stuff. And I learned a ton out of that process. So that format C again, just something stupid mistake. I did blow it up. Um, but I mean, it was, I remember to this day and I learned a ton. I mean, I went through loading DOS apps and stuff. I was off and running with DOS and became very confident with DOS very quickly. Um, and it, uh, so it, it did work. So I kind of, I use that as kind of my baseline to kind of go, I was like, okay, well, if you want to learn, you got to be willing to try things. Um, and, um, uh, that, that kind of set my attitude of technology early, I think to say, yeah, I'm going to, that, that worked out, you know, as long as you learn to get smart about backups through things as you get older <laughs> too, but, you know, um, but it did work out. So that was kind of my foray into Technology, early technology trial and error. <laughs> <laughs> that one actually it reminds me. And I'll use a story to it because I had a lot of fun with this. But when I when I had my first real computer job, um, my boss at the time said, "See that computer over there? Take it apart." And I was like, oh, "Okay." So I took it apart. And he's like, "Everything. Take every piece of it. I want all the everything out of it. The motherboard, everything. Take it completely apart." I took it all apart and he's like, okay, put it back together. And I learned an awful lot real quick. Like, hey, maybe <laughs> I should label jumper cables and all kinds of other things. <laughs> um, but I made it work. That one didn't actually scare me. I my my real scare one was was more similar to what Matthew dealt with, where it was um, I don't remember if it was Y2K or, or something like that. So I I'm I'm in the same genre as, as Kyle is. I remember bringing down a computer for a very specific reason. And as we were rebooting, the, the reboot process was not quick. And I got to a point where I'm going, ah, crap, it ain't coming back up. And those are <laughs> the things that you're working at at like four in the morning going, business starts really soon and this server is not coming up. Um, <laughs> and I don't know what I did that it, it isn't coming up. Eventually, and in, in this particular case, it was it was for no good reason because it did come back up and running. But that was probably the first time I was just like, oh, my God, I broke it. <laughs> Where before in history, I've done a broke a lot of stuff. So I learned exactly the same way Kyle did is the old school tools. If, if, if anybody's listened to a lot of our podcasts, there's the origins of CIT podcast out there and the first time i listened to it I, it just reminded me how this stuff just barely used to work and so you could do darn near anything and you would break the functionality of a system pretty easily and that my my thought was too is well if i broke it i gotta fix it so then i would go figure out how to make it work again but none of those really scared me those were kind of fun times to me so i know that doesn't really resonate with everybody that's going well i kind of <laughs> have a problem with the fear of technology but um again it kind of was where we come from that's a good time to me I'll say there's I have spent way too much time staring at computer loading screens or blank connection screens waiting for servers to come up. Um, and I remember the first time within a couple of 
couple of weeks of being in service center that an engineer just said, you know, could be watching the ILO, right? Which for those of you who don't know is the uh, out of band service that monitors what the computer's doing that you can connect to and watch where in the loading process these PCs are now. What's the fun um, with that? Yeah, <laughs> well, it, it, when it's two o'clock, <laughs> two in the morning and you're exhausted and <laughs> it's a, a on call has gone off and woken you up. I was like, I'm just going to stare at that and hope that that while I half fall asleep again. Um, but I feel like so many of these things that have popped up are to kind of combat this fear, combat this staring at a blank screen, hoping it comes back up in the time frame that's necessary. <laughs> Well, and I think just to kind of tangent this a little bit back into right tech for business. So we're talking about, hey, you're breaking things. Hey, things are down and now your business can't get back up. And obviously there was a little bit of personal fear going on with that. That you're like, I broke somebody's business and now I got to fix it. As a business owner who maybe isn't technical or doesn't have this background and hasn't taken apart computers and now your entire business runs on some sort of technology and right when it goes down. All of a sudden you're going, well, do we have credit card imprint things? Do we like, how do you do this without technology if that's your what you do every day? So then how do you get over the fear or take your first steps to saying, yeah, I'm going to put a new technology to my business, knowing that it's probably going to break or cause some downtime at the very beginning? I'd like to thank you. I think that's a great way to recontextualize and get me back on track. Um, <laughs> one of those things is things like ILOs they get built into the the purchase of a server they're in there for a reason now and it's because of this we can track it better we can give the business owners better answers to the questions they have we can find out where the problems are coming from a lot of these things don't seem like new technology in the way we talk about because they're not you know chat gpt popping up on the internet overnight they are hardware and software pieces that have been added to regular hardware and software you use to make it easier for us to give better and more specific answers and confirm what the problem is those things are being implemented with with probably a, an, a recommendation or a discussion but the full awareness of what it's doing and why it's in there is is for us to know we're making a recommendation because we know it works and they they were invented to make it easier to do all these things in the first place, to remove that fear. So the the number one thing is we've been through this, we've done these things hundreds, thousands of times, and we know why they're being recommended. We don't want the business to go down either, right? We're, we're here to try and make things as smooth for you as possible. And so when we're making recommendations of new hardware or software, we have tested it, we do test it. It's why we're chatting each other on weekends about cool things that popped up <laughs> different articles we're reading yeah i think i think it's kind of summarize it on the risk analysis of anything that you go into i think from a business owner just ask those questions what is what is the actual risk of what we're doing and can we take any contingencies around those risks i.e Matt's uh, referring to if you're deploying a net new server, new server tech, do you have backups of your data? What's what's your what's your fallback plan if the execution of that doesn't happen? Sometimes I think a lot of new technologies are just new ways to approach business and take advantage of these new technologies. That is a totally different way of executing your business deliverable to your customers. I you know um, they're more disruptors are the bigger ones we tend to hear about things like 
you know, like chat GPT you're referring to, you know, that that obviously has enormous potential to be a huge business disruptor in a number of different industry sides of those, but it's going to be the early adopters that adopt their business and to look at it openly and and be able to do some um, proof of concept and proof of engagement to say, rather than run from this, I'm going to do the risk analysis and figure out how I can use this to actually differentiate or do our a different approach to our business side with it. So there's a number of different ways that I, I would would look at that to say, you know, you can eliminate a lot of fear just by doing that risk analysis on whatever you're trying to do. Yeah, some additional things that I'd add to it are, um, there are a lot of different things that you can do. And there's a lot of really smart people out there too. And some people may be on organization staff already. Um, But there's a lot of things that you do to kind of reduce that risk and just make sure that you've dotted your I's and crossed your T's, if you will. And that's making sure that when you're putting tools in that you put in the redundancy. So Kyle mentioned the battery backups. There are a lot of tools like Matthew mentions as well with the ILO and how you work on certain things that you can do. So there are things called high availability. So you have failover devices if you need them. Um, And then the other part that I would, so I guess I should finish that thought. The piece that you get with that is as people are helping you build those things out, you will have a very specific plan of, what happens in the case of and then the second part that I was going to do is you kind of have the basics here's the tactical aspect of it but the other part that I would add to it is you can build plans there's all kinds of things out there and depending on the maturity of a business you may already have uh, a business continuity plan or you may have an incident response plan or something like that so building those plans is incredibly helpful and then testing the plans is where the rubber hits the road, if you will, where you really go, OK, if this did happen, what would we do? Um, in my opinion, talking about a good time, that's a really good time. You get to watch people go, well, wait, I don't have all the information I need. I need more information from you. And I, and I get to, to moderate those kinds of discussions. And I like to go, if you've ever been through one of these kinds of things, there is no information. So your information is this is what you got. Let's go. Um, but that would be how you would start to work through those items and starting to address the fear and building the plan that Kyle mentioned is you you build for all intents and purposes a risk process. This change is risky. How do I mitigate that risk? Is it a plan? Is it hardware? Is it people? What are those types of things that you'd need to do? Yeah, I'll say also, and, and this is, I feel on the same track, but maybe off. <laughs> there is a when we talk about making changes and adopting new technology, we we tend to think about doing it for line of business apps, like your main software. And, and obviously that's a huge undertaking or, or entirely changing your server infrastructure. Again, huge. But I've helped multiple customers with, with changes to things where the way they were doing them originally just wasn't as, it wasn't technologically involved. Um, they were doing their timesheets by hand. And so we worked and looked into solutions that were, you know, fingerprint scanners for whoever had walked into the building and, and things like that to better track who was where and, and how they'd come and gone to better evaluate arrival time. So it wasn't all just an actual punch card. Uh, and those streamline a lot of that process. They let you get that, hey, I've tried new tech feeling if you're looking for that without wanting to risk <laughs> the whole business's line of business software. Um, those were the fun ones because there's there's less investment in it having to work in the same way for all employees to keep the business running it's more about better efficiency or creating a newer system that that does things and, and speeds 
certain processes up. Um, it doesn't have to be your entire system. It doesn't have to be your line of business app. Just find one thing and maybe look into what the options are there. That's uh, tends to be how we find the first things we're looking for. So you're talking about technology exposure just in small doses yeah. until you get baby steps, which is going to be my final question to each of you as we're getting down on time to say right now, Todd, you talked about, well, flip phones and then, hey, there's this new phone and this new thing that you can do. But I know that's a question that we talk about a lot of. Well, it's working. So I get that there's new technology, but why would I why would I move on? And I know that we have a previous podcast on user adoption of new technology. So we'll keep this one brief, but just any final thoughts from each of you of, yeah, maybe the IT person on staff is on board or another member's on board, but then they're getting resistance from the rest of the company or end users saying, that's scary. My thing works just fine. Why do I need to learn this new thing? What kind of advice would you give there? It depends. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I, I think it. Uh, there's a couple of examples that came into my head while you were asking the question and, and going back to the phone. Uh, um, one of the relatives that, I, that had previously had the flip phone, they did eventually flip to a smartphone and it was like six years old. And I was like, it's time to replace that. It doesn't even work with Android Auto in your car anymore. So I just update it. And they're like, but I know this one. Why would I get rid of it? And I was like, because it can be better. Um, but the other one that I was going to use was um, often that we see resistance to doing things like such as moving to the cloud. So an organization that may have traditionally had their infrastructure all on site, you're starting to have conversations and saying there's a lot of benefits of going to the cloud. We think it should be something you consider and you'll get a whole bunch of pushback and that pushback tends to be mostly the misunderstanding of the lack of information. So Kyle kind of mentioned this at the beginning too, is we'll often see that people don't understand what that really means. So when it's invisible and you can't tangibly see it, which is essentially what happens when you move your data to the cloud is, I no longer have control because somebody else has my data. I've even heard the comment come back before that says, well, they're gonna hold my data hostage. Um, the, the Addressing that fear, it's a different thing. So for an example of something that you would do in that particular case is you get to go through why that business that you're moving to is effective the way it is, right? So in the cloud industry, the reason they're in business or what keeps them in business is the subscription. So holding your, your data hostage is not in their best interest. There's a whole lot of other things that they want you to do. So more specifically, continue the subscription, kind of like Netflix. If Netflix did something that was very disruptive, which they may be doing very soon, you may change your mind and go, hey, I don't like that. I'm going to switch services. So those are the kinds of ways you kind of look at it and go, it, it isn't completely invisible. You kind of need to understand the motivation behind how something like that may work or explain the workings of it specifically. Yeah, I, I think it's just the, the willingness to say you can do a proof of concept. You can do small tests and inroads to validate ROI or, or, you know, validate if the technology will benefit the organization in many ways. It's not, it again, limiting your risk on your initial exposure to it. You can do certain tests with cloud technologies. You can do certain tests with, um, you know, biometric authentications and different ways to 
expedite, but you can start to then have some actual data substantiate the, the willingness to adopt those technologies, you know, using the the biometrics on proximity sign-ons, you know, does that speed up, you know, your service? You see it in the healthcare industry all the time where the care providers walk up to the computer and it automatically logs them in and they're into the patient care system side of that. I mean, to me, that's a tremendous use of technology. I think a number of years where they'd sit there and try to guess their passwords and log in. How much time did that add to the care of their particular patient sides with that? and or you know to the care providers especially with doctors who are, who are incredibly valuable to get through those things but there's a lot of those use cases all over the place um and it's just recognizing those staying engaged it does take champions within the organizations of of technology people like ourselves that get excited over that to kind of bring in those ideas but i think as a business leader being open and 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 trying to look at the big picture and, and trying to understand what its use case is and seeing where you can potentially apply that to your business and keep an open mind and then just combine it, trying to then validate your risks around it and ask those questions and say, what are the risks? How do I limit my overall exposure? But how do I gain then the understanding of how this could potentially benefit can be very rewarding. Agreed. I just, I don't know what else to add <laughs> beyond I, I will say as someone who was uh internal it for a while and and took a while to learn that business side of things one of the biggest things for me whenever i'd make a recommendation is look how much time this would save me or my team and i very often to begin with um forgot the monetary cost of moving to a new software um it wasn't until uh my old boss said all right you need to make a cost benefit analysis for this, like build one for me and prove why it's going to save us money. Um, I mentioned this just because there are going to be times when maybe some of your uh, mid-level techs have really cool ideas and software that they absolutely love and want to try. They may not be thinking in that mindset and it's worth having them do that. <laughs> it, it definitely gave me a lot of awareness that I'd been skipping on just how much the tool was not going to cost monthly, but cost in training time and conversion time and getting rid of the old contract, which what if there's a buyout period, et cetera. Um, those things hadn't crossed my mind when I was recommending things. Yeah, and just wrapping it up from my from my standpoint, I, I agree with Kyle. He made the tremendous point of looking at proof of concepts. They are incredibly powerful because you get a bunch from that, right? You see that it is actually providing value and you can decide, does this fit my cost benefit analysis that Matthew mentioned and whatnot? So just reemphasizing, it's a great way forward. And then the last, last piece that I'll add for reals last is that, you know, there are things that are coming out in the world where they're talking about recessions and so forth. There may be benefits in technology that you can find that will help automate a lot of things that are going on with the business. So as something's starting to go down, are there ways that you can turn to technology to achieve the goals that you were using in the past? And chat GPT is one of those items where you can look at it and go, what could I do with that if it was really designed in a specific way to meet my business need? So there may be things like that out there too that will be very beneficial, which hopefully will make some of the fear go away as well. Awesome. As I was say, for anybody just listening and not watching this on YouTube, there's a lot of head nodding going on through this section. <laughs> 
But thank you, Kyle. Thank you, Todd. Thank you, Matthew, so much for sitting down today talking about fear of technology. You all summarized it much better than I could, so I won't take a stab at it. But if people have any questions, as you can tell, we all love to talk. So by all means, reach out. You can email us at info at cit-net.com or head out to our website at cit-net.com backslash podcast. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Thanks, everyone.